Morning, Chris. How are you? Morning, Ollie. Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Thank good. you. Yeah. 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 Thanks for um, thanks for joining us today, Chris. It's um, it's a real pleasure to be able to talk to you today. Um, given this is our first sort of feature length podcast for Walk the Mind, um, it's really exciting for me and, and hopefully um, hopefully for yourself as well. Yeah, a bit nerve wracking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, same, same. Um, so yeah, to start off with, just can you just sort of introduce yourself and tell us a little about you and kind of your, your experience and what, what you're up to and stuff? Uh, yeah, my name's Chris Boots. Uh, I've recently turned 40, uh, the big 4-0. <laughs> um, I'm uh, married to my beautiful wife, Sam. Uh, I'm a dad to three sons uh, who are 5, 17 and almost 19. Um, I work as a retail manager um, and yeah, hobbies, uh, any kind of sport really, love playing cricket, darts, big into my boxing, big into my football, um, always loved sport. Um, someone once joked that I'd watch uh, indoor bubbles if it was on TV and <laughs> I, I, I probably would. Um, yeah, sport's my, sport's my go-to thing, so yeah. Do you still play sport, or do you just sort of watch it? Or uh, I play I play cricket in the summer. Um, this summer's been quite frustrating. I only got four matches in for the season. Yeah. Um, usually it's about fourteen, fifteen. Yeah. Um, so yeah, obviously because of uh, COVID and all that stuff. Uh, but yeah, still play cricket. Still love it. Yeah. yeah. And you're a big Arsenal fan as well, aren't you? <laughs> uh, I am a big Arsenal fan. I don't know why I laugh then. <laughs> You're only laughing now. <laughs> you weren't laughing. <laughs> right, fair play. Um, so yeah, obviously you touched on how it's been frustrating with not being able to get as much cricket in um, through the summer, and obviously people around the world that will be listening to this um, have kind of dealt with with the situation with the pandemic and and what's been happening with all of that completely di- in completely different ways. How have you been, and how have you kind of managed to kind of get through the year? Um. Right from the start, um, I suppose because I'm in retail, uh, work for a supermarket, um, things didn't really change that much for me. Um, They did for my wife. Um, She was isolating with my son. Um, But for for me, nothing really changed that much um, until very recently. Um, I think the first lockdown, um, the hardest thing was not seeing my older boys. Um, because, you know, we didn't know what the rules were and if we were allowed to see them, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and it was probably the longest period of time I've been without seeing them. Um, the the saving grace was obviously they're, they're, at the time they were 16 and 18. Um, so they've got their phones, you know, I could always video call them. Um, I could still talk to them and stay in touch. Um, but up until recently, like I say, nothing nothing had really changed. Um, and then um, my boys uh, tested positive for COVID wow. uh, quite recently. Um, one completely asymptomatic. Uh, the other one uh, was uh, it was fairly poorly um, for for about a week. Um, but that meant that I couldn't see them again, or we couldn't see them again. Um, and then a couple of weeks after that, me and my wife tested positive for it. Really? Um, oh, well, I'm, I'm assuming completely unrelated um, because we hadn't seen my boys. Um, but yeah, so that the last the last month or so has been the toughest um, because we've had to we've had to isolate. 
Um, and obviously over the Christmas period, um, it was, it was, t- I know it was tough for everyone. No one had the Christmas that they wanted. Um, and, but being stuck at home, not being able to see anyone and feeling like crap, really. Yeah. <laughs> um, it was, it was like a triple whammy. Um, so in ter- there's been, there's been lots of walking. Um, there's been lots of, um, spending time with my little boy and my wife um and to be honest there's there's been a lot of self-reflection as well yeah um i think getting to know me a little bit more um has been has been one of the big things um through this year uh why i do things um you know what what makes me feel certain ways how do i react when when i feel that way um there's been a lot of self-reflection this year what, how did you find, so obviously over Christmas or up until Christmas, you were working flat out in retail and have been all year pretty much. How yeah. that must have impacted you massively when suddenly you get you have to self-isolate and then obviously test positive, plus not seeing your older boys and things like that. Having that, because I'm, I'm, I obviously work in retail as well and have done for a long time, having that outlet like you pretty much all year, it's been, it's been fairly routine, apart from the obvious changes at work with the social distancing and the things we put in place, apart from that, actually getting up and going to work and going to university for me and starting that it's relatively been, um, it's been relatively normal for me. Um, up yeah. until I had to self-isolate for nine days, I didn't test positive. I just got a message, but it was so difficult to just literally not, not leave your front door. How did you cope with that in terms of staying at home? And, and obviously you weren't feeling well either having tested positive. Um, <laughs> the honest answer is I didn't really cope with it. Yeah. Um, it was, I'd, I've always, I've always been the kind of person that, that likes to be busy. Um, but I've also enjoyed downtime, uh, and chilling out and relaxing. Um, and I think I've been, I've been a father since I was 20 years old. I had two children by the time I was 23. Yeah. Um, always been in serious relationships. Um, always worked. Um, never been never been out of work uh, since I was like 16 years old. Um, I've always kept myself busy, and there's always been a lot of stress and a lot of um, lot of things to deal with. Um, so I've always enjoyed the downtime. I've always enjoyed. Um, the odd occasion I get to myself um, and relaxing really because yeah. I know I need it I need to do it for my own physical and mental well-being yeah um, but this time I, I suppose because it was enforced on me um, it didn't feel like it was my choice it didn't feel like I could relax um, I it, it was it was very very tough um yeah. i think pretty much the whole of december um either because my boys had had it um yeah. and i had to self isolate or me having it and having to self isolate um it was it was probably the hardest month um uh, i remember yeah. uh, to be honest yeah. um because there, there's no out there's no there's no um there's only certain amount of tv programs you can watch there's only a certain amount of darts i can play um you know in my bedroom there's only yeah and you you get to the point where you know me and my wife love each other so much but spending a month yeah locked (laughs) locked in a house (laughs) 
and not being able to speak to anyone um grates on grates on you you know it there were there were times where we would fall out over the silliest little things um and obviously we've got a five-year-old boy as well who was there with us um he didn't let us rest he didn't let us recuperate um so it was almost like a trapped feeling um to be honest um and usually when i feel like that um you can i can escape or there's something i can do people i can talk to um but i just the self-isolation is the perfect term for it because i felt completely isolated yeah yeah, 100% agree. How did you feel when you finally sort of got back to work into some sort of routine for yourself? Do you know what? I, I, I walked into work and it was like, I, I've never been so pleased to be at work. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, was, it was just back to normality. It was back to normality. I've done my job for, you know, 18, 19 years. Yeah. Um, and I've, I've always thought if I, if I could leave tomorrow, I would. Yeah. Um, but that feeling of walking back in there and getting back to normal you know, talking to people, having adult conversation, um, you know, being the person that I am at work, it was it was a good feeling. Yeah. I per- I think per- from a personal point of view, having, I say it for those nine days, I don't think, I think the foot, like you, you touched upon it being forced upon you, that kind of forced rest or forced isolation. And there's no, I don't think there's a bigger difference between actually taking a holiday for yourself, which you've looked forward to and you've kind of booked and you're excited about relaxing and having that um, in terms of it's sort of in your control, isn't it? But when that's out of your control and you're literally told you cannot leave your front door for a certain period of time. Yeah. I think that's, that's the kind of biggest difference when it's forced upon you. Um, Yeah. hundred percent. So obviously your kids are like a lot. There's a big age gap between your two elder boys and and your younger boy. Um, they're obviously at different stages of their lives and their kind of development and stuff. How have you, how, how have they kind of dealt or have they spoken openly to you about missing their routine? And obviously there's been massive changes with their education and their social life and stuff. How have they dealt with it? Have they been open or have they been, how's it been? Um, my, my oldest son um, has spoken about loneliness. Um, he's spoken about feeling, feeling isolated. Um, he, he doesn't cope very well in his own company. Um, he's he's a very deep thinker, uh, worries about things. Um, so he's been quite open. Um, he's he has struggled. He has struggled. Um, but all I all I can do and my wife can do is sort of say to him, "We are here." Um, you know, if yeah. you if you ever want to talk, if you ever want to do anything, you know, just let us know. Yeah. Um, my 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 middle son. Um, he's he's just turned 17 he's very introvert um he uh, he worries about people's feelings and about people's emotions and he doesn't want to it's like he doesn't want to impact on people and so if he's if he's struggling with anything um he he knows that we have a stressful life he knows that we have our own worries and our own problems um and it's almost like he doesn't want to add to it yeah. Um, so he just keeps himself to himself, um, you know, and and tries to tries to laugh and joke his way through everything, um, which is pretty much what I do. Um, but the five year old, um, he is he struggled. Um, he is uh, he's got his he's got his health issues. Um, he's on the autistic spectrum, uh, and routine is everything to him. Yeah. absolutely everything um and if he's not got a routine um it completely throws him off um 
he I'd say he loved being at home uh, for that long with mum and dad. Yeah. Um, but the second he could go back to school, uh, I took him to school. He ran into the classroom before he'd even taken his coat off and he didn't even say bye to me. Um, and we noticed the difference big time. Um, he's been back. Uh, he's been back a week, almost a week now. Yeah. Uh, and we see the difference um, almost immediately. Uh, he needs that routine in his life. Um, but that just shows you that like three, my three sons are all completely different. They're all, yeah. they're all dealing with it in completely different ways. And at different stages of their lives, I suppose, mentally and yeah. physically, mentally, everything, isn't it? How, um, yeah, exactly. with your youngest son, how did you find, did you just create a new routine or how did you go about sort of keeping him um, in a sort of routine to help you and him? Um, so obviously we had, we had the school learning, the home learning, sorry. Um, I, because my wife's a teacher, um, I, I tried to take, uh, most of it on board and we did share it. Um, but my wife was still working, even though she was isolated, um, she was still working. So, um, it sort of, we, we decided that it'd be best for me to try and do most of the home learning. Um, but in terms of, in terms of a routine, there wasn't really much we could do um, other than making sure his meal times were the same, uh, making sure his bedtime was the same. Um, it, it was, I wouldn't say a free for all for him, um, but um, he, I think he found it hard to understand why he was at home yeah. uh, for so long. And, um, you know, he'd say things like, Oh, can we go to Smith's toy superstore or yeah. can we go to, can we go to the cinema or, and, and very early on when this all started, when the whole COVID thing started, we tried to explain to him the whole thing of the bad germs and we can't do this because of the germs, can't do that because of the germs. Um, and he did take it on board. Uh, but that still doesn't stop him wanting to see his friends, wanting to see his cousins, wanting to see his nan, yeah. you know, wanting to go to the cinema um, and with a, with a with a five year old on the spe- uh, autistic spectrum, it's uh, it's quite hard to um, get that point across to him. Yeah, it's hard enough for adults to understand. That's why I think I chose Young Minds last year as the kind of charity of Walk the Minds choice because it's. I just thought it's so hard for adults to even comprehend what the hell is going on at the moment. It, like last year when it first started to come about, and we had to find new routines and and almost. I don't know, just create a completely new environment for all of us at home with, yeah. you know, especially if you've got children, it's, <clears throat> it's, and so for us to understand it's difficult, let alone, you know, children of five, four, five, six, seven, I've got, I've got a free robe myself and obviously the closure of nurseries at the, at the last year and the complete and utter change in routine um, is, is just really difficult for, like I say, for, for everyone and let alone children. Um, and obviously your youngest on the autistic spectrum just must have been, must have been really hard for yourself and, and for him to obviously just get used to a completely new routine. Yeah, 100%. 100%. So a couple of, a couple of um, questions, um, just random ones I want to sort of throw at you. Um, so how would you say you deal with stressful situations whether that be at work or at home kind of in the aftermath of a stressful situation um i'd say i'd say i've got two ways of dealing with it um and they couldn't be any further apart um I, i don't know what triggers which which reaction um but 
the the first reaction would be to just laugh my way through it um and you know humor's always a great medicine for anything um yeah. i find yeah. uh but ever since i was young um i, f I found humor as a, a a good barrier um a, a way of a way of not really i suppose not really having to deal with what's actually happening yeah. um that's that's how i've how i've seen it personally um if if humor isn't a possibility um and i don't i'm not strong enough to have that barrier uh, then i just completely turn in on myself um i don't i don't talk to people um i don't want to socialize um and and i know i do it i know i do it yeah. uh, but i i can't i can't stop that um it's it's yeah it's quite a, it's quite a strange feeling do you think that's more of a more of a male thing to just use humor to try and get through difficult situations or stressful situations or do you think that is across the board um i think to some extent it's across the board um but i think if you were to look at like the proportion um of of people that use humor as a, a guard or a or a shield i think you'd find that it's it's more males than females yeah. um i think it's all part of um i'm gonna go go off on a tangent a little bit but i think ever since like things happened to me when i was a teenager mm. um i i found it a lot easier to be a different person and to show a different me yeah. um not you know my mates, my mates, even my wife, you know, um, call me Bootsy. And for me, it's like Bootsy is a uh, a different person. Almost, um, like, almost takes, yes, like almost, almost. But it's but it's unconscious. It's not like a. It's not like something I choose to do. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of people that would know me, say acquaintances or people I'm not that close to, would think that I'm happy-go-lucky um i i laugh and joke i don't take anything seriously don't really think about anything um i just i'm impulsive but there's a there's a handful of people um that are, are close to me you know my best friends my wife my children who have seen the real me yeah um and i, I kind of i kind of um mask it very well yeah um but, but I, I also understand that that's not good for my mental health um but I think I think personally that's that's quite a um, common thing amongst men. Yeah, um, I agree. Whether it's whether it's because um, men feel they don't want to look weak, uh, or men feel that um, they have to be strong, they yeah. have to show people that they're strong and they're you know they can cope. And if if you know, their mum or their sister or their wife or whoever or their children have got issues, the man is the one that steps up and takes control of it, yeah. you know. Um, and I'm not saying that's true. I'm not saying, you know, um, I'm, I'm not being chauvinistic in any way. What yeah. I'm saying is that men unconsciously, I think, feel like that, that they can't break down, they can't cry, they can't show their emotions, they can't tell people that they're struggling. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I think that's that's why I use humour. I think. Yeah, I completely agree, and I think it is true. I think it is true, Chris. I think so, to a certain degree, 
we've we've all got to be honest and sort of hold our hands up and say, do you know what that that is that is definitely something in men that we need to change the stigma of going forward. And obviously, we've got the men's mental health page, which is yeah. in its very beginning stages. But that's all part of something that we hope to change going forward. And men to yeah. be able to open up to their to their wives, to their girlfriends, to their mums, dads, kids, whoever it is, like traditionally women would do, I think. Um, yeah. you know, I'm not going to make any bones about it. I think I think men 100% struggle with with that side of their mental health of of literally allowing allowing people in. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I know I think you've hit the nail on the head, and that's something that definitely going forward, I'm I'm passionate about. I know you are as well, and we need to, we need yeah. to be more you know society really to change that, and that starts with the young. I think it starts with that next generation. I think um, I I agree with that, but I think also that. Um, it's it's not always a case of men don't want to talk. Um, me personally, uh, I said this year has been a good year for self-reflection for me. Um, why I do things, why do I behave that way? Why do I, you know, why does why do these things upset me, etc. Um, I think a lot of men don't realise that they're struggling. Yeah, that they don't realise that things are upsetting them, that things are changing their personality. Um, they they just don't realise it. Yeah, uh, because I think self-reflection is is massive uh, in terms of getting to know yourself, in terms of um, understanding who you are and why why you do these things. Yeah. Um, but th- that's been the case for me. So many things have happened through my life that have that have um, you know you could say depression, stress. You know, you could put all these all these labels on it, um, but it's not until now that I look back and realize that those things have done that to me. Yeah. Um, at the time it didn't feel like that. It felt like I just had to man up and get through it. Yeah. Um, but now looking back, you probably told that as well by different people around you, I guess, like whether that was friends or family or whoever. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Um, you know, it's, and it, and it's an easy thing to say, uh, you know, man up, um, you know, you don't, Oh, don't cry or whatever. What are you crying for? Yeah. Um, you know, it's a, it's, it's, it's a very, you know, in that, in that lad environment or in that, you know, we're, we're from a generation where our, where our dads weren't necessarily in touch with their emotions or couldn't show yeah. it or, you know, didn't really understand how they were feeling and why they were feeling that way. So yeah. that's been passed down to us. Yeah. Um, but I think now um, we, we need to get to a point where it's okay. And, yeah. and we 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 can teach people that it's okay um, to speak about how you feel. It's I, I hold my hands up here, and I still to my to my eldest son Harry, who's who's ten. I I found myself a couple of weeks ago when he was a bit upset about something, and it was something to me that seemed so minor about one of his Lego toys or something like that. It was, and I I, I remember thinking at the time, why have I just told him? Come on, mate, don't cry, don't cry. It's all right. Do you know what I mean? And that's that's me yeah. who's massive on this. Um, journey of, of obviously promoting good mental well-being and stuff and there's yeah, me yeah, yeah. Um, I'm quite happy to say I, I told him not to cry I told him to come on mate it's fine but even that he he will remember that probably of me standing there telling him not to cry whereas we yeah. need to be able to say it's fine have a cry and then we'll talk about it do you know what I mean and that's a, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm still yeah. learning myself and I'm and I'm big on this um, so yeah. it shows how far um, society's got coming you know including us I think um, yeah yeah, it's really it's really interesting. Um, yeah. Do you struggle to separate um, work and home life, or do you find that balance quite easy? Or I used to. 
um, up until I think up until about a year ago, um, I was lucky enough to be able to reduce my um, my working hours uh, at work, and um, I used to find it really difficult. Um, I would the amount of times I walk through my front door after a shift at work uh, and still be feeling the same stress and the same frustrations that I was feeling all day at work, um, I would carry that on uh, into the house. Um, I'd, I'd, you know, and I'd, I'd, I'd take it out of my children and my wife and, you know, but now, now I've reduced my hours at work. Um, I find it a lot easier, mainly because uh, I feel like now I get a bit more time to myself. Yeah. Um, and if I'm where it's very, it's very difficult when you work, when you work like 10, 11 hour day um, and you walk through your front door and you know, your wife's there, your children, there, children are there. They want husband. They want dad. Yeah. Instantly, like yeah. instantly, as soon as you walk through that door. Um, and if you, you haven't got your mindset correct um, before you walk through the door or before you have that first interaction with them, yeah. it's going to carry on. Yeah. Um, or it, did, it does for me. It does for me. Um, so finding a better work-life balance for me has helped massively um, in terms of switching off from work when I get home. Um, I can... You know, I can I can find an hour to myself here and there now, um, where I can just calm down. You know, I can relax, and then when I do have that first interaction with my children and my wife, I'm in a better place. Yeah. Um. So yeah, that, that's helped. That's helped. And massively. you're in you're in management and have been for a, you know a really long time. So for you to yeah. you know for you to have started to find that balance is obviously really positive for you. Yes, it is hundred percent. Um. So, question. What advice Go. would you give to the five-year-old Chris Boots? Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> well, um, I would... Uh, I'd tell him um, that things aren't always going to be as rosy uh, as, you, as you think they're going to be. Um, I think when I, was, when I was five to 11 years old, Things were great, um, you know. My my parents were in a good place. Um, things were great at school. I had a great friendship group, um, and then everything seemed to go downhill um, between sort of, I'd say, between eleven and six, sixteen, seventeen. Things started going downhill massively. Yeah. Um, but what I'd say to my five-year-old self is that's not going to last. Um, and try not to let the things that happen to you when you're 11 or 12 or 13, whatever, through those teenage years, impact the rest of your life. Um, I'd also tell them, I'd also tell my five-year-old self uh, to make the most of, um, make the most of your mum, because well, one of one of the things I do. Um, and I've done it for as long as I can remember. If if bad things happen to me, um, I block them out. Um, I don't um, I don't remember things well uh, if they've been negative in my life. Um, my mum died uh, or passed away 15 years ago, um, but she was ill for pretty much all of my life, um, and she just got worse and worse and worse. And I can honestly say, hand on heart, I 
probably remember about four or five conversations with her. Um, it's like I've, I've blocked out a complete, you know, a massive chunk of my life. Yeah. Um, so I'd say to my five-year-old self, um, make as much of that relationship as you possibly can um, because mum won't be around for long um, and you'll want to have things to remember. Yeah. Yeah. You get that, Chris? It's, yeah, it's really, it's really moving. Yeah. Um, okay, so who has been the biggest influence on your life to date and why? Um, I'd, I'd have to say my mum. Um, even though uh, my mum suffered from multiple sclerosis. Um, she was diagnosed when I was, I think, about 18 months old. Um, and so you literally you know, this remember is... nothing else apart from... No, no, no. I, funny you should say that. I remember uh, when I was four or five years old starting school yeah. um, and I didn't understand why the other mums were walking um, because really? my mum was in a wheelchair. Um, and I, I just couldn't get my head around it. Uh, and I don't know if I asked my mum or dad at the time, um, but I couldn't figure out. I, I thought that women couldn't walk. Really? Uh, as, as a five-year-old. Yeah. Um, and, it, and it blew my mind that all these mums were walking, walking up and down the road, you know, collecting their children from school. Um, so, sorry, I've lost my trail of thought, mate. <laughs> that's right. No, no, that's so, fine. That's fine. Just ask me the question again. Yeah, that's no, fine. Um, so who would you say has been the biggest influence on, on your life? Right. Why? Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'd say, I'd say there's a couple. Um, one, of the, one of the biggest influences is my mum. She, no matter what happened to her, no matter what was going on in her life, she always had a smile on her face. Um, even, um, even when she was in hospital towards the, you know, towards the end uh, she couldn't speak, she couldn't move, she was bedridden. Um, all she could really say was hello. Um, every time I walked in the ward to see her, um, she had a massive smile on her face. Yeah. Um, and I've always thought, I've always thought if there's an issue in my life or there's something I need to deal with, what's the worst case scenario? What's the worst thing that could happen? Um, what? If, if this happens, what is going to happen to me? What What is, as I say, the worst case scenario? And if it's not as bad as the things that my mum went through, yeah, then why am I worrying about it? Yeah, You know, because my mum went through those things herself and still had a smile on her face. Um, so that's just a technique I use. That's something that, you know, that's something that um, I, works for me. Yeah. Um, the other biggest influence on my life, um, it would be it would be easy to say my dad, and he has influenced me. Um, he's he's very honest, very loyal. Um, he stuck around for my mum um, through thick and thin. Um, but I'd, I've done I've done a lot of things independently of him because he's had his mental health issues. Um, he spent a lot of time looking after my mum, um, and wasn't through no fault of his own, he wasn't really around for me. Um, yeah. And I had to be very independent myself and I had to um, make a lot of decisions for myself. Um, so the other massive influence on me um, was my uncle Martin. Um, he was, uh, he passed away a couple of years ago um, and it, it hit me hard. Um, when I was a teenager, um, 
I needed to escape uh, my mum and dad's house um, with my dad's mental health issues, my mum struggling uh, with a with a MS. Um, it was tough. It was tough to be there. Uh, and my auntie Sue and Uncle Martin um, always welcomed me. Um, I, I remember. I do well. I can't. I can't even remember how many times I just had enough of being at home as a 12, 13, 14 year old, and yeah. just walking down to their house. Um, and there'd always be a welcome for me. Um, but my uncle Martin was a special man. Um, he really was a special man. He was. Um, he was always pleased to see me. Um, he was someone that worked hard. He loved his family. Um, he he was everything I wanted to be as a man. Yeah. Um, he wasn't he wasn't like rough and rugged and like yeah I'm a bloke. You know he was he was just a nice guy, yeah. a really nice guy. Um, and one thing I'm pleased about um, I'll go back to my mum. I didn't I didn't really get the chance to talk to my mum properly about how I felt about her and how much I loved her before she passed away. Um, but at my um, wedding uh, to my current wife um, I actually something made me sit down with my uncle um, and thank him um, one sec <laughs> something made me sit down with him um, and thank him for all the support he gave me um, and for being there for me when he didn't have to be um, I actually got to say that to him um, and it wasn't long after that that he, that he passed away um, completely out of the blue uh, no one really expected it yeah. um, but, but one thing I'll always remember and I'll be grateful for was actually being able to sit down with him um, and telling, tell him how special he was to me I'm just going to say how grateful you must have felt like even now to you'll always have that that you that you managed yeah. to sit down and talk to him and, and say thanks for you know for everything yeah. was it like was he like a sort of protective like influence or like that's like that's i had i've had people like that in my life that just feels like when you're with them it's like a security bubble and it's like whatever happens oh. it's fine 100 percent, 100 percent. and uh there was there was a time when i was 13 um uh, my dad i don't <laughs> my dad my dad got sectioned um because of his mental health issues yeah. um he he struggled massively uh with you know losing friends having to give up work um i, I suppose the isolation um it's, it's strange that we've come full circle and we're talking about it again but he he went through his own isolation um he his whole life became looking after my mum um, and it had a massive impact on his mental health um, and he was sectioned when I was 13 um, and this was a point where my mum's MS had got pretty bad Um, she couldn't really look after herself couldn't walk properly Um, she needed a lot of care Um, the go-to the go-to person or one of the go-to people was my uncle Martin Um, he was he was there for us He'd take us to um, the hospital to see my dad. Um, he'd make sure my mum was okay. Um, he was just that kind of guy. Uh, he was he was always there. You could always rely on him. Um, and he'd he'd never say no. He'd never say no. Whatever you needed. Yeah. So he so his influence on you will, will literally last a lifetime for you, won't it? I will. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Do you think it influences on how you father and will father your your kids as well as they grow up? Oh, massively, massively. Yeah. Um, I think when I when I split up with my first wife, I always said um, I, I said to her the first thing I said when we split up was um, I will I will always be a dad to them. 
um, and looking looking at my cousins now, uh, my uncle Martin uh, has got two children, uh, well, not children, obviously adults now, um, yeah. but they, he had such a massive impact on their life. Um, he guided them. Um, he was he was str- such a strong figure um, of support for them, yeah. um, and that's that's what I want for for my boys. I want them to be able to come and talk to me. I want them to be able to you know feel comfortable. Um, discussing things with me um, I want to be able to help them um, and that's another thing about you know I I, I didn't have the upbringing that I you know that I wanted um, through you know it wasn't my mum's fault it wasn't my dad's fault it just didn't turn out how I wanted it to be yeah. um, so I, I, I want to give I want to give my, my boys as much as I possibly can um, not necessarily um, materially um, but in terms of emotional support, in terms of, you know, being that strong figure. Um, yeah. And that's how I saw my Uncle Martin. Um, that's that's exactly how I saw him. Yeah, I think it's one of my biggest fears as a parent is that, you know, the, the day the day that w- w- if it ever came that my boys, you know, wouldn't open up to me and wouldn't be um, kind of honest about their emotions and stuff. That's one of my biggest fears because it's I, I kind of like to drum it into them as much as possible that whatever's going through your mind, just 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 talk. Um, yeah. But yeah, I think that that influence now going down generations and people like your uncle Martin and for me, it was my grandparents of that kind of nurturing role um, that you literally will never forget and you pass it down to to your kids and and they do the same. Yeah, yeah, it's really, really important. Um, what's your? What would you say is your proudest achievement so far? Um, well, in forty years, there's a there's um, a lot to go through. Okay, um, so one thing, um, excluding marriage and children, what's your proudest yeah. achievement? <laughs> okay, um, so I'd I'd probably say um, getting through my level two and level three counseling qualifications yeah um and on the face of it uh, it doesn't sound like that big an achievement um but i i didn't work as hard as i should have done at school um and it was always something that um grated on me that i didn't achieve what was expected of me uh when i was at school um so i always wanted to go back and um you know learn something new or give myself another chance to do it yeah. um you know almost like you know, going back in time and going back to school. Um, but the real sense of achievement for me uh, was at the time I was working 50, 60 hours a week, um, you know, normal married life, three children, um, a, an elderly father to take care of. Um, there was a lot There was a lot going against me having the time and the commitment um, to be able to finish these courses. Yeah. Um, but... Despite despite almost jacking the level three in twice, um, and massive credit to my my tutor at the time, um, she talked me out of it, uh, and my wife played a massive part as well. Um, I carried on and I got it done. Um, so now, you know, it's a massive step, but I'm only one step away from being a qualified counsellor. Yeah. Um, and that's definitely something I want to revisit in the future. I was going to say, do you think you'll go back to that and, and finish it, and then? I, I I certainly hope so. I certainly hope so. It's a it's a big financial commitment. Um, yeah. You know, doing doing the diploma is um, it's in terms of time and finances, it's a big commitment. Yeah. Um, but hopefully, um, 
maybe in a few years I'll be I'll be in a position where I can I can um, go back to that. Uh, I never I do, I do enjoy my job. Um, it does stress me out, and I do moan about it a lot. Um, but I do enjoy my job in retail. Yeah. But it was never what I wanted to do. Um, it was never I, I sort of fell into it. Yeah. Um, and spent the last 18, 19 years, <laughs> um, you know, still in it. <laughs> um, I know that one. So, yeah, yeah. So the the counselling thing appeals to me massively. Um, one, because I've been through my own issues um, and I know how important it is to talk to people. Um, and two, um, I'd, I'd, I'd love to wake up in the morning um, and get ready for work and think what I do today is really going to help someone massively yeah. um yeah i mean you know working in retail it's not you know it's i'm not i'm not doing it for myself i'm not doing it for my own benefit you know i'm you know there is that kind of you're helping people and you know you're providing a service etc cetera, etc cetera, but it, it can't it can't compare to actually you know changing someone's life or having that positive impact on someone's life yeah um and, and ideally that's what i want to do in the future yeah um, so that leads me quite nicely on to next question, but it might not be your answer. <laughs> um, <laughs> what's the one thing you want to do or see in the next five years above en- above anything else? Um, that is that is a big part of it. Uh, maybe in the next five years, get myself into a, a position uh, where I can where I can carry on the counselling qualification. Um, but I think most of all, in the next five years, I want to see um i'm i'm eager to see my older boys really um flourish you know they're both they're both uh, on the cusp of going to university um you know i want i want to see them branch out uh and have that independence and really make a life for themselves mm-hmm. um so that's that's one thing and my five-year-old in the next five years I want to see him. I want to see him develop the best he possibly can. Um, and yeah, so in the next five years, I want to see my sons um, develop a happy, um, you know, relatively successful life, a life that they're happy with. Okay. Um, what about you, though? <laughs> what about me? Um, is is the counselling? Is I, I keep coming back to it. Um, it's it is what I want to do. Uh, I want to. I want to be able to help people. Uh, I really do. Um, I know. I've I've struggled with. I've struggled with bereavement. I've struggled with uh, divorce. Um, I've struggled with um, my dad's mental health issues. Um, I've struggled with uh, living uh, or growing up with someone that's that's ill. Uh, or has has a, a medical condition um my five-year-old has his own medical health issues um and i'm going through that now and i've never really up until up until maybe like a year six months ago as i said i've never really reflected on how all these things have impacted me um and my wife has said to me and I, this is going to sound really hypocritical uh, because i'm talking about counseling i'm talking about it's great to talk it's great to do this it's great to do that for your well-being but I, I've, I've never really done it myself. Um, I've, I've never really, um, uh, although I've opened up to certain people, I've never done it in a professional manner. I've never done it in a, or in a professional setting, sorry. Yeah. Um, so, you know, it, I, 
I want to, one, be that professional who is able to listen and help and encourage people to move forward with their life. But two, I want to be, I also want to be in a position where I can encourage that as well. And I can get people to understand why they're feeling the way that they're feeling or, you know, that it is okay to talk and it is okay to share those feelings. Yeah. So that's where I want to be in five years, you know. I think with your experience, I think um, I'm at uni at the moment and I'm doing um, counselling, coaching, mentoring, you know, a degree in that. And I've only been there a few months, but what I've learned about those different roles and especially kind of that mentoring um, approach to counselling, when you've had that experience in your life, um, it's, I think it's invaluable to have that, um, have that kind of role uh, where you can help people and, and for everything that you've been through in your life, um and still will go through you know raising you raising your family and things like that it's it's absolutely invaluable and i think obviously there's a shortage of people like that in the industry um and i think yeah i think you could make a huge difference to 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 people mate without doubt thank you Um, i think i I think empathy is a massive thing um it's a it's a massive part of it i think if you can't um if you can't empathize if you don't understand um, fully what people are are trying to communicate or the, the feelings they have you can't you can't um, sort of uh, in a way feel their pain then you can't fully engage in them uh, with them or you can't you know it's it's one thing listening um, but it's another thing actually feeling what they're telling you and yeah. feeling that you want to make a difference so yeah. empathy is massive. Yeah, hundred percent. So yeah, absolutely. It's 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 key. And I think unless you've had that had that experience in some form or another, it's very difficult to kind of um, manufacture that um, unless you've kind of been through yeah. it. Um, so okay. So final final question, um, and it's something I want to ask everyone that comes on to these Walk the Mind podcasts. Um, in your own words, how would you describe mental well being? Um, mental well-being to me is um, being confident in who you are um, being able to express how you feel uh, in, a, in a constructive way uh, and in a positive way um, mental well-being is looking at your life and thinking do you know what it's not actually that bad <laughs> you know no one's no one's got, um, if you look at it as a ratio, you know, no one's got a, ter- a completely terrible life. No one's got an absolutely perfect life. Um, I'd like to think that everyone is somewhere in between. Um, so if you look at it as a ratio, if if the good things in your life are over that 50%, then you're doing okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, so mental well-being is about not overreaching. It's about not expecting too much but don't let that stop you pushing for more yeah 100 agree i yeah. think like it's it's a it is a wave isn't it life is riding a wave and you're going to get ups and downs yeah. and like you say if you're somewhere in between you're kind of doing okay aren't you completely yeah 100 thanks for coming on chris um i really appreciate it i know we're going to do more of these um with with other members of the group um and i know i'll definitely be doing more um with you on specific topics in the future so um i really appreciate your time today um and thanks for anyone that's um, been listening to this podcast by walk the mind um it will be available um on spotify and wherever you listen to your podcasts um so yeah really appreciate it chris and um, we'll talk soon
no i appreciate the invite uh, it's been it's been good to talk uh, and i'll uh, i'll speak to you soon Ollie. thanks very thanks, much thanks chris bye bye